Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Um, some exciting news is that Grant and I are able to uh, record in the same room again together. No more... Um, no more quarantine. Yeah, no more calling <laughs> over uh, over on the Anchor app to try and uh, mess with our connection signals yeah. and, <laughs> and our loud family members running around. Yeah, and, and have me uh, cut out in the middle of a profound statement so nobody can... Uh, I know, that, that happened more than once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but with the glorious uh, magic of editing, no one... I'm sure noticed. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good to see that uh, kind of things are starting to um, kind of go back to normal. Like the steps are being taken, you know. Right. We went to a restaurant earlier today for yes. lunch, which was weird to be in a restaurant. We were the only ones there, but. Uh, yeah, except for the people working there. Yeah. And. They all had masks on, of course. So. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we've got, our band is able to uh, start playing some small gigs again. Yeah. And I've been seeing that movie theaters might open up here in a little bit, or with with a well, lot of restrictions. They were, I they were already open. Maybe they are. Maybe yeah. I'm just not keeping because I had no idea restaurants were open till today. Till to, yeah, yeah. Till we walked into the restaurants, just like, yeah. well, I guess these are open now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think it's restaurants and uh, movie theaters and places like that. I think bars are still closed where we are. Yeah, that's I think is is one of the still bigger restrictions. Yeah, and of course anything that. I want to say that the restriction is you can't have more than 100 people in one place, which is better than 10. Yeah, yeah that's true. It's better than 10. So, um, uh, yeah, and I mean, obviously now a big thing being that, you know, we can kind of get back together and really start to uh, to work on some new stuff for you guys. Yes. Uh, we just completed <laughs> a uh, project that I'm not going to say what it is yet, but it's going to be something we do on a regular basis. It was really fun, too. Yeah. And... Uh, there's well, uh, stuff in the works, is what he's trying to say. Yeah, we've got, you know, this quarantine has been a great time for us to um, kind of just work on a lot of the things that needed to work on as far as expanding and refining. Mm -hmm. um, a big victory being that we're finally on Spotify. Yes. Which is Woo! something that I've been wanting for quite a while, and I'm very happy that uh, now you don't have to switch apps if you want to listen to the episode and listen to the songs. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we're on Spotify. We're still on all of our other platforms. You don't have to uh, switch over, but if Spotify is your preferred listening platform, then that is now available to you. Look at that. Uh, we're still on Apple Podcasts. We're still on Google. We're still on Anchor. We're still on Overcast and Stitcher and all those other ones. So whatever platform you're listening on, if you're happy with it, feel free to keep listening. But if Spotify is your jam, then head on over. Spotify is my jam. Yeah, it, it is for me, too. I, that's what I would prefer to listen on. And um, also, if you, uh, whatever platform that you're listening on, please hit the subscribe button. It'll let you know when we have new episodes out, which is every Monday morning, 9 a.m. Central. And um, be sure to give us a rating. Leave us a comment. Let us know. We got a, uh, a new comment uh, asking where Jimi Hendrix is. Ooh, that's a good question. Which is one that I have been throwing around in my brain. It's not one that has slipped my mind. Um, and the way it was phrased is almost just like, how dare you have not talked about him yet. <laughs> I like to pace myself with like the all-time legends. That way it's not like we do all oh. the really big ones and then it's lesser-known bands 
from that point onward. Oh, I thought you were about to say Jimi Hendrix isn't an all-time legend. No, he oh, absolutely... I goodness. mean, the most influential guitar player probably ever. Uh, yeah. And... Well, yeah. So... Directly influential. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, it's not a thing that we're forgetting about him. You know, I just... I like to space things out a little bit by decade and genre and legendary status. So there's mm -hmm. kind of a... There's a complex method to my madness. Um, so, but yes, I'm a Hendrix fan. Don't worry. We will get to him at some point. Uh, but please, yes, let us know. Who is it that you want to hear? Who are you excited for us to make an episode of? We like to know those things. Another place that you can uh, let us know your opinions is over on our social media pages. Um, our Instagram page is really starting to, uh, starting to have some great... Um, interaction which i'm very happy about and um that's where you're going to find news we're going to start probably rolling out uh in fact probably by the time that you're listening to this we already have rolling out some contests yes so in um, the form of giveaways yeah from my, what i understand uh-huh so make sure that you're uh checking in and participating it's going to be a good incentive for you guys to uh to get in on the discussions and uh we have an instagram page we have a facebook page they're pretty much identical mm-hmm and, um, yeah, so we are just, we've got a lot of things cooking here. Um, Patreon is, should be up and running by this point. So, um, if, if it is, then you'll find a link in the description to where you can support the podcast, um, with a monthly donation. And we're going to be working on some content to unlock Ooh. due to your contributions again to incentivize as well as just stuff that's fun for us to do yes uh including <laughs> this little project that we worked on earlier today yes it that's going to be uh you know not only for patreon but for you guys uh we're working on some youtube content as well aha uh -huh. we are yeah that, okay <laughs> why did it, why did that slip my mind of course it's gonna be on youtube anyway yeah. we've um, we've always got ideas we're working on you know getting some merchandise ready and i'm excited know. about that yeah that there's just there's a lot of things in the works to make a long story short um yeah stay updated on all that stuff really exciting um is there any music news i don't think you uh um mentioned I, anything i really there really isn't anything um earth shaking going on right again we're just everything is confined everything's in the music world is just right. very low-key right now mm -hmm. so i'm gonna say not this episode but mm, okay we've got a lot to talk about anyway we do in this one so um, i think it's i think it's a good time to just go ahead and jump into it <laughs> yes it is so this week's artist is prince yes this is kind of us returning more to the pop realm something that we don't do too often in this uh in this channel now are we talking about prince or the four artists formerly known as prince this is this is when he was by prince he didn't prince go... and the revolution yes uh although oh, oh prince and the revolution no because no. there were only uh only two albums featured that but although those two albums are very heavily featured in this episode but uh he didn't acquire the the title prince and the revolution until his album 1999 Okay, which came out in 1999? Nope. Oh, man, okay. So what, <laughs> what, uh, what, which obviously, you know, that's the title song. Um, mm -hmm. What years are we talking about? So sure we're, look, we're, we're looking, no, we're actually looking, uh, the earliest song in this is late 70s. 
And we're Wait. as we're going as far as uh, eighty four. What? So that's <laughs> that is as um, that's as current as we guess. We're looking at the first his rise to fame. This episode is concentrating on that. Okay, so there were still more prints after. Oh this. yeah, we're okay. just we're kind of we're looking at a specific era. Okay. Um, there's two albums we're I would say most heavily pulling from, and then yeah, 1999 and, and Purple Rain. Yes, which I'm going to guess Purple Rain is the '84. Yeah, one. that was kind of the uh, the what his entire career led to up to that point to turning him into a superstar. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk more about that in his uh, history. Right. But yeah, I, sometimes I just like to go into the pure pop domain where there's not as much the you know it's rock and roll with pop sensibilities or you know this is just kind of into like the the mass popular uh part of the pop world i would say there's a little bit of rock and prince yes he i mean he, is he definitely player, right? yeah he definitely um represented yeah but you know he definitely is l- more in the pop world than in the rock and roll world mm-hmm. and and that's we just came up with the pink floyd episode mm-hmm. um and talked about different sounds and pulling different sounds and a lot of these songs i noticed the same thing, like Prince also focused on like different sounds for your ear to pick up on and go like, huh, that's something else. And uh, kind of kind of a hybrid between Peter Gabriel and Pink Floyd. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, so... To me, he always... I always see him and Michael Jackson as kind of being two sides of the same coin during that time. They both were big at the same time, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And um, they were really the first two um, African-American artists to make it big in the global pop scene and not mm-hmm. just be in the, you know, the R&B, soul, funk, mm-hmm. as Motown, but to where it's, you know, it's the crossover, like, everyone's listening to them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're both hugely, hugely popular stars, but then there's they also have a lot of differences between them to where it's, again, it's the same coin but different sides. Right. Where Michael Jackson was very squeaky clean and um, a lot more straightforward in his approach. Prince was, he was like the Rolling Stones that were to the Beatles. Where, again, they came out at the same time, had a lot of similarities, but they represented two different ideologies. You you mean in the fact that... uh... That Michael Jackson was kind of the Beatles and Prince was the Rolling Stones. As far as that rivalry, that, um, that distinctness in personalities... And approaches where Prince okay. Prince is the bad boy, you know he he helped uh, revolutionize like insanely vulgar lyrics and pop music, yeah. and um, <laughs> which we don't really look we don't at really get in into, episode. but I can see it. Uh huh. I mean, uh, just man, man loves sex. <laughs> yeah, Sound about it all the time. That is uh, that's clear. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, he does sound kind of experimental. Yes, and that's the other thing. Where Michael Jackson was very straightforward in his approach, Prince was very experimental. And that comes from his multi-instrumental nature. Oh. And the fact that he's just a true artist. He never wrote for the public. He always wrote for himself. And he just happened to tap into something that the public uh, picked up on and really swarmed towards. Hmm. The man always followed his musical inspiration and always yes. made the music he wanted to make as he should mm-hmm. he i would say more than michael jackson he was a he was a like an artiste artiste 
He wasn't an artist. He was an artiste. Yes, he's. Yeah. I would say he's like the step above artist, because <laughs> oh, the wow. man, the man was a genius, an artisan, an absolute musical sonic genius. Okay. I don't, know if, gonna, I don't know if I'll completely agree on well, that. Well, no. Here's I'm, I'm going to explain why here in a okay, little bit. Okay. By the way, before you ask, yes, Prince is his real name. His name. Wait is, a minute. His okay. name is Prince Rogers Nelson. See, I didn't even think to ask that question because I've always just known him as Prince. Yep, but Prince is his God-given birth name. Wow. And, of course, he just shortened it to Prince throughout his career. Right. Because uh, it's a great name. Right. And um, so just kind of to walk through a little bit of the history, and again, I'm going to explain here very quickly why he was such a musical genius. Okay, let's go. Um, he made his first album which was For You in... I'm not saying he made it for you, but that's the name Aww. of it. For You. Made it for me. He made it... I, I want to say, and I'm going to double-check this this age, I want to say he was 19 when he wow. made this record. Oh. Yep, he was 19. And not only does he play every single instrument on the album, but he also produced it himself. He mixed it himself. Like, no one did anything... Is there any representation on this uh, set? Uh, not from the For You album, but we do have uh, a song on here that is like a 100% Prince show. <laughs> I know which one it is. Yeah, I think uh, you do. I think I do. Yeah, um, I really like that one. Yeah, so, you know, at age 19 to be able to do that level of work, mm. I mean, we just uh, we just kind of got a little bit of taste of that earlier today yeah. and you know i mean the man was writing all the songs himself you yeah he's writing the lyrics he's writing the music he's doing all the vocals all the guitars all the bass all the keyboards all the drums and then not only that he's the one behind the board you know doing mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. he doesn't he, he prince never had a producer he was his own producer wow and to do that at the age of 19 it's just incredible and you know he very quickly started having some hits. Yeah. Um, by especially that '79 self-titled album. Uh, he that's kind of when he started to really get on the charts. Although he wasn't near the level of superstar at that point, he was kind of more um, having hits on the R&B soul charts. Mm -hmm. And uh, he made his first. Um, I want to. I'm going to count them as his first four albums completely by himself. So did he distribute these through some kind of like record company? Warner, or he, he was Warner Brothers. He was, okay. Okay. So okay. he was on a major label. It's just he negotiated right at the front. I do everything myself. You know, you don't you don't get to see any of it until it's completely done. Hmm. And um, the way he was able to convince them is that he like um, tracked a song while they were watching, hmm. just to prove that he could do it. Hmm. Like he, you know, got on the drums then did the bass, then the keyboards and guitars and vocals, and he kind of just showed them throughout the day, okay, this is how I build a song, and look how good this song is. That'll do it. I mean, you know, people do that nowadays because it's just, you know, people make music in their own homes. Right. Or in their self-made studios. But mm -hmm. back then, to do something like that, just completely yourself, mm -hmm. uh, and again, I'm, I'm emphasizing at the age of 19, mm -hmm. it's just like... That's unheard of. And for a major label to give him that freedom... That's true. 
labels were not into giving artists freedom during that time. <laughs> right. I mean, Tom Petty. You know? Yeah, that's about the time that Tom Petty was fighting mm-hmm. for you know artist freedom and and fair wages for the work they're doing on their music, which is another thing that Prince fought very hard for. That he's he's one of the instrumental guys in making sure that artists own their masters. Hmm. He was kind of one of the lead charges. He really succeeded in doing that in the 90s. Which we don't get to talk about. No, we'll do that in another <laughs> press episode. Uh, um, so, yeah, those first four records, and each one you can see the evolution of him refining his sound. You know, the first two albums are kind of almost, they're like 70s soul records. Right. And then you get to the third album, that's in, which is in 1980, the Dirty Mind album. And you can tell that he's, you know, he's he's moving more towards that electronic synth driven sound. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when he really starts to inject a lot of that, uh, vulgar appetite into it mm-hmm. and starting to really lean into becoming a sex symbol, which he very well did by that time. Um, and during this time he did have what became the revolution as his touring band. Aha. Uh-huh. So, it's you know he just found them and was like, hey, you're good at this. Yeah, and with me. the way that he the way that he collected his group of musicians is quite fascinating because he wanted to have full representation. Like he had uh, he had a woman guitar player, he had um, white guys, black guys, you know, just kind of like having a, a complete mix of like everyone on stage with him. Oh, that's pretty cool, actually. And that was intentional <laughs> because he wanted to have you know. He wanted to have something for everyone to where it's just, you know, you saw unity up on the stage. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, yeah, the, the the revolution would go over under a couple small lineup changes before we get to the point where they're on the albums with him. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, that lineup was pretty set even from the time that he started doing his first tours. So were, did he do the whole tour in clubs kind of thing? Yeah. Because I remember... Back when he died a couple of years ago, they had Purple Rain all over the cable networks because, you know, that was the movie about it. I mean, have, mm-hmm. you've seen it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and you know, Morris Day was the villain somehow, uh-huh. um, which I'm glad that they played Gunga Love. Unfortunately, they didn't play the full version, which I love that full version. That guitar solo was great. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll talk more we'll, about that later. We'll talk more about that later. Um, but uh, that was that was his representing his early days touring in clubs with them yeah and that I mean was, that was by like 81 to something like that no so i mean the purple rain movie is not completely uh accurate it's not meant to be it's just supposed to be because prince didn't write the, the screenplay for that oh i mean he it is loosely based on aspects of his life but it's not because like by that point his dad was not in his life um you know he he wasn't at that level. He wasn't dressing like that at that point in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just kind of um, oh oh. It was just, it was kind of like one of the Elvis movies where it's like it's a movie for the purpose of listening to the music. Well, and also not necessarily that because it is very much a um, plot driven. It's it's plot driven. Well, the Elvis ones were too, but the yeah, Elvis okay. ones were not. Didn't have that autobiographical sense to them. Um, which Prince's does have that element. It's just not like you can't take it as a biopic. Yeah. 
to where you can like see the events in it and go, that happened to him in real life, and they're adapting it. It wasn't like that. It was kind mm-hmm. of you almost have to view the movie more as like an extended music video. Huh. That's kind okay. of, and that's how Prince has kind of described that it's it's was meant to be. It's meant to be a vehicle for him to do the most outrageous promotional for his music possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can see that. Yeah. So, uh, but 1999 was the album that came right before it. And that was kind of the album that set him up to becoming a superstar. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, that album came out at the same time that Thriller came out. Wait, so that was 83. Three. Okay, because I don't know when Thriller came out, so it didn't really help me. <laughs> so, you know, Thriller was tearing up the charts at the same time 99 came out, and so that's kind of why he was able to kind of rise up at the same time. And Michael Jackson was already big by that point, but that's when he became, like, the biggest star in in the world. Yeah. Biggest pop star of all time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Prince benefited from that because he kind of had a similar approach, but again, he was different enough to create his own identity. But I think that it helped that Michael Jackson got big at that time. Because mm-hmm. that's when his videos first started to get that big MTV rotation. Mm-hmm. And I would say he became a global star on 1999, but then when Purple Rain came out, it was almost, and that was the moment he actually dethroned Michael Jackson for being the biggest star in the world that year. Okay. And, you know, just becoming... You heard it here. Becoming a ubiquitous <laughs> name to where, like, everyone and their mother knows the name Prince. That's true. My mom is a very big Prince fan. There you go. <laughs> My dad, not so much, but I can't prove a lot that of, his a lot favorite of, color being purple has nothing to do with Prince. So. A lot of a lot of people's moms are big Prince fans. <laughs> uh, I know mine is. Uh uh, in, in fact, I mean, I've, I've listened to every single one of the songs we're going to talk about, all seven of them, uh, since, like, an early age, except for uh, the one that he produced himself. Well, yeah. I think the one that he produced himself. Yeah. Um, so, I guess, just a little bit of his influence there over the uh, mm-hmm. world of music. I mean, yeah, I would I would put him in the the top five biggest stars of all time. You know, he's up there with the Beatles and Michael mm-hmm. Jackson mm-hmm. and Led Zeppelin and, mm-hmm. you know, whoever else you want to put in that category. You know, put the fifth one there. We don't want to offend the Jimi Hendrix guys. Well, I, I, <laughs> well, I mean, Jimi <laughs> Hendrix wasn't as much of like this because his career was so short. I'd probably put like someone like Stevie Wonder or David Bowie in that in that fifth spot. Okay. Um, but, I mean, Prince absolutely belongs up there. Right. That's how big he got. And Purple Rain was the moment when he entered into that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to... He was... He's one of the few musicians to, in the same weekend, have the number one album, number one single, and number one movie at the box office. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'll have to check, but I want to say that the Beatles were the only one, other ones to do that because they made a couple movies during the height of their... They did. The, the Hard Day's Night and Help. I didn't know that. Movies. So... Huh. But, I mean, you know, Prince wasn't at the the star level yet to to logically in the minds of the execs pull off a movie like that you know that's like a movie you make after you're already super big mm-hmm. um but prince kind of knew better than them he knew <laughs> that it would be a hit and it absolutely was the movie paired with those amazing songs off that album mm-hmm. just like 
It sealed his destiny. Um, now, I don't want to take too much from if we ever do a volume two, which mm -hmm. I'm sure we will. Yeah. Um, but can we talk about the whole artist formerly known as Prince thing? Because I've always wanted to know. Yeah, so that's something he does in the early 90s. Okay. And it's it's his way of just, first off, remaining mysterious and weird because it's part of Prince's M.O. Uh, um, but also, it was... No, it, was in a, my... <laughs> it was kind of him, like, almost rejecting fame in of itself. Yeah. He, um, he is an artist first. He always chased his art before he chased fame, mm -hmm. but he was also really good at being famous. Mm -hmm. I think it was just kind of, it's almost like a statement. It's just like, I don't even have to have my name on anything and people will still buy it. That's how good my music is. So it wasn't like some legal thing. No, but I, I also believe that, and I didn't do too much research on this just because it doesn't fall into the category we're focusing on. Right. But knowing from what I learned about Prince throughout this research, I would say that, I, yes, it was also probably um, a jab at the labels for saying just like, you can't control me. I won't even, you, I won't even put my name mm -hmm. on here. Um, he was also very much against like appearing in public and doing interviews. Um, he, really? was, he was actually a very shy person, you know, when he was not in that mode. You'll find that a lot of the biggest stars, the ones that have the most charisma when they're performing, tend to be very reserved off stage. It's kind of the only way they can survive. Because yeah. if yeah. you're going that level all day, yeah. every day, I mean, I look at Angus Young. He's mm -hmm. so wild on stage. But when like you see him in an interview, he's like just sipping his tea. He barely talks. He's very quiet. And you can just tell, that almost, it almost seems like he's not even there. He's just, like, zoned out somewhere. Yeah, kind of like Slash. Yeah, Freddie Mercury. he didn't have that much. Uh, Freddie Mercury was the same way. He was oh, really? a very shy guy when he wasn't kind of putting on that show. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's actually kind of funny. Yeah, and so, and Prince was the same way. I feel like I've seen interviews with Prince, though. I mean, he did, exist. He did interviews later in his career. Okay. But that was kind of more once we get to the late 90s. And the original reason he started doing more interviews at the time was so he could talk about his fight about getting his master's. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, he just in the 2000s, that's when he kind of started to do more of that stuff. But mm -hmm. in the 80s, good luck. <laughs> he didn't do that much. Uh, so, so guitar, let's talk about guitar design. Was that him trying to put his little weird flair on everything? I mean, yeah, of course he's he's a he's a true showman. Did, did he make him himself? Did he have somebody else make? I don't know if he made it himself, but I guarantee that he came up with the design. Well, I mean, obviously that that you're talking about that uh, that white one from the purple rain. Well, there's movie. the white one, and then there's there's a there's that crazy purple crazy one. purple one with the spirally part to it. Well, that's because that's the that's part of his. Uh, unpronounceable symbol that he be when he became the artist formerly known as prince his name became that symbol hmm. and so what he would do is he would just you know instead of saying formerly artist known as prince they would call it unpronounceable symbol <laughs> okay wow <laughs> and 
Yeah, so... Uh, unpronounceable symbol in the revolution. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and also the, the revolution didn't last too long after Purple Rain. Then he got another band after are, that. Are there any notable uh, revolution members? Um, not anyone that, like, went off and did some crazy... I would say, like, probably the most popular member of his band was in the late 80s when he had Sheila E. on drums. Mm. She kind of was, like, has become a star just in and of herself. Mm. Just because she was probably the most popular female drummer of all time right and i see her pictures like all over drum world which is the place that i used to go to to do my drum lessons when i was a kid mm-hmm. um i remember seeing sheely posters all over the walls and being like who's that mm. well now you know mm-hmm. <laughs> uh okay so yeah, I mean the the revolution the the people that played in the band were immensely talented, but not oh, anyone clearly. that like you know they went off and like formed other successful bands or had big solo careers. But he always wrote the stuff. Yes, he did. There was never any like oh there's another guitar player let's write something together or there. I mean you know. like sometimes and it was rare when this would happen you know if other people had ideas after they had already started working on the song if he felt like it was a good idea he would. Mm-hmm. take it but um he was not known for like letting other people completely write a song or or he would sit down with another one of his bandmates and say let's come up with a song together that wasn't his style hmm. he was very much i gotta do everything myself and even when the revolution appeared on the records he still did a lot of things himself yeah i can see that i mean judging Based off the fact that he recorded four albums all by himself, you know, he can do five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's no big deal. Yeah, 1999, uh, uh, he, there, was, there was still quite a bit that he was doing himself. And that was, was the he, first one where he had everybody. Yeah, but you can, but, you know, he's also letting go of a lot of other parts as well for the first time to where he's letting his other band members participate on the record. And they participated vocally as well. Yes, which, which we'll, we'll hear we can talk when about we get later, to that point. Um, which let's, I thought was pretty cool. Let's talk about Prince as a guitar player. Let's talk about Prince as a guitar player. Because so, it's something that people forget about. That's good. I Yeah, okay. Because I um, would always like hear the guitar, especially Let's Go Crazy. Mm-hmm. Like the very end part yeah. when there's that like ripping guitar thing at the end, which isn't technically precise at all, but it has the energy that's required. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it comes across very well, not necessarily in like the metal head, everything's precise, you can hear every note community mm-hmm. inside of me. Yeah. But in the let's go crazy side of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, so I really enjoy it. Um, I always thought that he had somebody else as the guitar player. He did. Until I'm, I saw the movie. Yeah, and I mean... Um, he does have another guitar player in his band mm-hmm. that, you know, the times when he doesn't want to play guitar, when he wants to strut around or obviously, you know, someone playing the rhythm track, um, you know, cause there's some t- songs when he's playing live, he'll just, he'll mm-hmm. go over to the piano instead, or, you know, he wants to run around the stage and kind of do his thing, mm-hmm. but you know, you still got to have the guitar going. Right. But usually if there's like a big epic solo, he's going to play it. And uh, I've heard it said before that he's probably the most underrated guitar player of all time. As far as for how good he was and compared to how many people forget that he played the guitar. And and he's, I cannot stress enough, he's not 
a technical guitar player, but he has really good phrasing, especially in uh, the fourth song of this set. Mm -hmm. I think that's totally perfect. Every note's great. I don't think there's a single place where his, his guitar licks fall flat. I think they're all perfect. Mm -hmm. um, kind of like how you talk about David Gilmore. I feel like I'm saying yeah. that right now. Uh -huh. um, but... <laughs> and have his guitar you, tone too have you ever seen the video of him playing with a bunch of other guys as a tribute to George Harrison on While My Guitar Gently Weeps have you seen that video no when we take a break I'm going to show you that video because okay. it's going to it's, it's the it's I, I thought a lot of the same things you did and then I saw that video and I realized okay this guy is a truly great guitar player because like he he's up there with Tom Petty and um jeff lynn and i'm i mean not other guitar guys but like other like stars guitar singer stars people guys. that are big enough stars that it's going to be hard to um to steal the show from them yeah. and then prince walks up for the guitar solo and he like just absolutely destroys the song I'll show it to you when he we destroy, break. That's not good. In a good way. Do I want to watch it? Okay. No, he destroys <laughs> it in a good way. I mean, he just he lets it rip. Now, it's it's notable that his guitar is really distorted. Yeah. It's crazy distorted. It's almost like a weird scoop, like in the wrong places kind of sort, but I like it. Yeah. Uh, especially on, like, the rhythm parts of of the Purple Rain album. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's Go Crazy particularly, because it almost doesn't sound like a guitar. Mm -hmm. You know it's a guitar. It's got the distorted tone of a guitar, but it nobody wants their guitar to sound like that, but I really, really like it. Mm -hmm. and it, it, I don't know I almost want to emulate it but then I know that it, it wouldn't work for any of my music mm -hmm. um, so I think he's also a tone smith as far as guitar goes Yes, which is a whole other half of guitar playing that people don't really pay attention to and I think that's, that's an important thing to talk about when you talk about him being a good guitar player mm -hmm. so I wanted to mention that because yeah. yeah I kind of agree he is pretty underrated as a guitar player I don't know if he's the most underrated because, yeah. you know. I guess when you think of who is the most underrated, you got to think of skill to um, skill to unknown ratio. And I think as far <laughs> as um, just for him being such a star and for so many people to kind of forget that he is the guitar player but then have all the guitar parts be so good. It's just kind of like, I can understand. Again, I won't say that I necessarily agree, but I understand that pick. Uh, someone like Lindsey Buckingham, I would probably maybe also put in that category, mm -hmm. who's Fleetwood Mac's guitar player. Mm -hmm. I mean, the man is, he's one of those ones that he doesn't let on how good he is until you see him let loose, and then you go, oh my god. Mm -hmm. I had no idea he was capable of that level of guitar playing. That's kind of cool, because he didn't leave it all on the album. Mm -hmm. He kind of leaves it all on the stage. Yeah. So Which I, yeah. I guess Prince is a live guy. He was always uh -huh. focused on the live, especially if you listen to the last song, you know, and all the Purple Rain songs. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's very live oriented. You can kind of feel like he's talking to the audience on the album. Uh -huh. um, and anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything else you wanted uh, to touch on? I don't think there's anything else I want to touch on because there's a lot we have to talk about in the songs and a mm -hmm. lot of stuff that I just you know, mentioned in this section that we can talk specifically about. Yeah. So. 
I'm ready to move to the next section. All right. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the songs that we picked for this episode. So make sure that you stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just finished talking about Prince and how he's the other side of the coin to Michael Jackson at the time of the early 80s. And now it's time to talk about the songs that we've selected for this episode. So for those who are joining us for the first time, I'll have Lucas explain what do we mean about six songs? What's the purpose of this? So um, the songs are a way for us to be able to talk about his music and his style, kind of more concrete terms, Um, and I generate this list in a way to where if you've never listened to Prince before, this is going to be like your best first step into discovering his music. So I'm not necessarily picking like what I think are the six best Prince songs, or the six most popular Prince songs, uh, or even my six favorite ones. It's just the six songs that are going to introduce you to his music, as well as the six songs that are going to make a great set when put together in this specific order. I want the songs to transition well between each other. I want there to be a flow of emotions from the start to the end, where by the end of the set, you have this profound cathartic experience. Yes. So, and we definitely get that on this set. Yes, we do. I mean, I... One of the most epic finales (laughs) ever created. I listened to this set when I couldn't go to sleep this past week. Oh. And it it helped because it was a nice cathartic ending. Yeah. Uh, So, (laughs) this one was pretty good. Yeah. Um, So, um, if you want to listen to these songs, there's a link in the description of the episode that will take you to a Spotify playlist, and you can listen to them there. Uh, Please... If you've never listened to these songs, go listen to them and listen to them without distractions around you. Try and have a moment where you can just sit down and take the songs in. Even if you have heard these songs before, still go listen to them. Um, Them being in this particular order, you may get a fresh experience out of it. So I believe now, without any further ado, we can go ahead and jump into our first song, which is... Let's Go Crazy. Dearly Beloved... We are gathered here today to get to this thing thing called life. Yes, and it starts with that iconic, like, keyboard, organ-y, synthy pad thing. And as soon as it hit, I'm like, oh, I do know this song. Because I I recognize Prince, right? Mm -hmm. Because, and I haven't heard these songs for years and years and years and years. But, um, and so I was excited when you put the songs on the playlist and you're like, hey, look who we're gonna talk about on the next episode and i knew that i knew all these songs but i didn't know you know exactly how they flowed i didn't know the structure of everything but when i heard the synth i'm like oh i know where i am Mm -hmm. i am home in (laughs) the world of prince and uh i i like the intro because it's a good introduction to prince yeah it doesn't kind of throw you into the experimental world head first. Yeah. Although it is kind of different. Uh-huh. 
it's this is one of the most just iconic song intros ever made. It is, and it's an iconic song outro too, which we'll get to later. Uh-huh. But um, and I, I like how he kind of puts everything in its own order. Mm-hmm. You start with the synth, and then you bring in the vocals as as kind of speaking vocals. Yeah. And then you bring in the drums and the guitar and everything in its own time. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even worry about rhythm initially, but as soon as the drum comes in, oh, and then he starts, his lyrics or his vocals, even though they're spoken, they're in a rhythm now. Mm-hmm. And I like that. In this world, <laughs> you're on your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things are much harder in the afterworld, or aren't as harder and much harder. Think, in, things are much harder than in the afterworld. Than in the afterworld. Anyway, whatever. He says it to a rhythm, and I really like it. Yeah. So. Yeah, this song is just, I felt like there was no better way to start off Prince than no. with this intro, this song. No. It's going to tell you exactly everything you need to know. The, um, the, the, the I guess the, the bigness of Prince. I mean, just what, what audacity to start off a song with you as a, almost like a, the spiritual leader. Because mm-hmm. it sounds like a, it sounds like a, from like a, like a church sermon. Right. The way the organ is put, even though it's got that eighties flair to it, it's you know, it's almost like he's he's about to to lead church into <laughs> yeah. which I think also touches on uh the other thing that Prince throughout his l- lyrics is also obsessed with, sex and God. He's ob- he's obsessed with us all dying too. Yeah, as we'll as we'll <laughs> see in some other ones yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um uh, and, and that's a big theme of his is we're all gonna die, let's just party anyway mm-hmm. he's kind of nihilistic in that a way. little bit yeah uh and and i think this song sh- shows it pretty well um you know if the elevator breaks us down go just crazy go crazy you know kind of the party attitude uh-huh worked yeah. well in clubs i'm sure oh yeah <laughs> and so yeah but you yeah you get that you get that sense that you're listening to someone that is larger than life right you've got the uh the pop aesthetic that he has but then you've also got that that little twinge of rock and roll that he's able to just inject at a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. With the with the intermittent guitar solos and the really great one at the end that we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, and of course the guitar being panned hard to the left or hard to the right, I think, mm-hmm. or something. Um, and so you can hear it, but it's not overpowering the the ultimate pop nature of what the song is, mm-hmm. which I think is an important distinction. I mean, if, if there were two guitars, I would go ahead and recognize that my ears would recognize that as being a rock ish song yeah. with synth added. But I think that was just, you know, I think that's an important thing. Yeah. Um, I'm double checking um, the number of number one singles that he had. Oh, yeah, that's important because we, we talked about, you know, the Beatles had like 30 something. Yeah. Blondie so, had maybe, what was it, four? Um, Prince had five. Prince had five. Mm-hmm. That is all. Now, he had a lot of top ten and top five singles. Uh, this was one of them. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, this, this, is, this is a song that, that uh, this is one of the six songs today. That I um, yeah we've got known from a young age. We've got two number one singles in this set. Well, I'm excited to hear. I bet I know what they are, but I'm not gonna guess until. So this is one. So there's one other one in our set we're talking about. Mm Hmm. Um. So. Yeah. So let's go crazy. It's a great way to start things off. Yeah, you've got that that huge solo at the end and the big trash can. Mm Hmm. He's screaming in the mic. 
This doesn't end the... This starts the album, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Okay. It starts the movie as well. It does. The Purple Rain movie. This is what plays during the opening credits. And that version is interesting because it goes on for about another extra four minutes. It's an extended version. Mm Mm-hmm. And and there's a lot of, um, even though, which, okay, there's a big thing I noticed. Um, His percussion has a very, it's like an extra sound in there that's very Prince. And you hear it in in the next song as well. Mm -hmm. It's like a snare but it's almost like a clap, but it's really distorted. You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, and, and it's used as kind of like an accent for each rhythm, and, and the rhythm kind of the rhythm section pretty much stays the same mm-hmm. throughout the whole song. It's his vocals and the synths and guitars that kind of change things up a little bit. I would even say the guitars kind of stay the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that with half the band still doing the exact same thing, Throughout the whole song, there and there still seems like there's dynamic flow and progression and everything is really cool. Yeah, the fact that he's able to write that in, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which is super hard. Uh, I guess it's easier if you have a million synthesizers and not just you know the rock three piece. Yeah, and also someone that knows how to use them. And that's a good point because he does. He doesn't play, use it as a crutch. He doesn't it. play everything in this song. This was off of off mm-hmm. of one with the revolution. Mm-hmm. But he is used to playing everything on his own. Yeah. So, anyway. is there anything else you wanted to add about this song or wonder? I like about? the energy. Yes. It starts us off on a high note. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it wasn't my favorite song, I don't. I would even say it was even in the running. But um, still, a. But it was. A great there's no song. other. There's no there's, other song that could start things off. Uh, there's. I, I like all of these songs. Me too. Except for one. We'll get there. Okay. But <laughs> no, there's nothing more I want to say about the song except for if you're just like looking for music to you know clean your house to this would be a great one yeah (laughs) and so we get the party we keep the party going into our next song into our next song which is a little bit darker yeah and it's also got (laughs) some more of his experimental nature in it especially at the beginning and the very end yes you know whereas we had the iconic beginning and end at the last one we have the experimental beginning and end with this Uh one this is the title song off of 1999 yes uh so this was the song that uh, my parents uh, had to teach me about um, Y2K after listening to. Yep. <laughs> Why the whole thing was a thing. Uh-huh. Um, Which, of course, you know, brilliant move for him to re-release it in 1999. Became a, a chart right, again. Right. I want to say it was the only charting song t- uh, in the year that it was named after. Hmm. The only time a song Yeah, because is- 1984 was really not that notable. I mean, yeah, that's not a single. And then yeah. there's other, you know, other people when they release a song that's based off a year, it's usually not in the year that it was written. Right. You know, a, yeah. lot, of, a lot of times they're, you know, you've got like Smashing Pumpkins 1979, which was, you know, recorded in 1995. Yeah. And, you know. Even though 1999 was from 90, or 83. It helped that he wrote Re- about a song in the future, so that way he could kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah. later down, like you can't go back in time and release a modern song right and well if you could then if you're listening from way in the future let us know if that is a thing that happens now yes because i need to figure out how to do it so i can go (laughs) release you know come together and hey jude and all that stuff back in the 50s so (laughs) those songs came out 60s yeah exactly but if i release them in the 50s i don't know if the world be ready for it at that point well they're gonna make them ready for it anyway um (laughs) all i'd say it's a 
darker, more experimental version of Prince. And so he's talking about kind of the world is ending, so I'm just going to dance my life away. Yeah, and to me, I actually kind of feel like there's something even deeper going on. I, I, and I don't have like a for sure answer for this, but this is kind of the meaning I grabbed from it. It's not him saying we should, but he's saying that this is what society is conditioned to do. Ooh. That it's almost like it's a critique that he's saying, you know, every the the world's about to end, but you know, you guys aren't doing anything about it. You're just you're just partying. It almost seems like it's like, um, that's weird. Like it's it's what <laughs> we as a what we as a society are trained to do when you know we ignore the the things that should be grabbing our attention that we're so consumed with ourselves and partying and. I That's, guess my young, impressionable self was just like, oh, this is what it's about. And the reason why I think that is um, there was a Dave Chappelle special on Netflix. Dave Chappelle. Uh-huh. He's a, he's a comedian. Okay. He's actually really good. Um, very, very um, controversial, but that's what I like about him. Yeah. <laughs> um, he starts off his set by doing these this song in spoken word. Mm-hmm. And it's at first I didn't recognize it. He was he was talking it, and I thought I was just like, "Dang, this is deep. This is philosophical." Because you know his whole thing is that he's, you know, he's very much a someone that is got a very scrutinizing eye on the way society runs now. You know, he's very much a button pusher. Mm-hmm. So when he said, "I'm thinking this is a this is a philosophical statement," and then he starts talking the chorus, and I'm like. Wait a second. He's quoting 1999. <laughs> and yeah. I was just like, okay, then maybe the song is a little more deep than I originally gave it credit for. Uh-huh. It's not just about having fun. Um, well, the world is ending. Yeah. Which, of course, it's hilarious that he predicted that 1999 would be a big doomsday year. And in, in 1999, that was a year that people legitimately thought the world was going to end. Yep. Yeah, and then 2012, and then here we are, and... Yeah, Corona. Corona. going to end the world. Corona's going to end the we're world. We're all fine. Yeah, we're fine now, yeah. Uh, at least we are. Yeah. Uh, uh, also, this song is a great... Uh, there's, there's a pretty cool story that I heard about the writing of this song. So, Prince was a very notable workaholic. I mean, yeah. it was said that he evidently just, so. Yeah. Like there, I've heard that there's thousands of songs unreleased in his vault. That because he was someone that like I think wrote a song every day. <laughs> wow! And just wow. has like this vast catalog that you know people are wondering if we'll ever actually hear it, if it'll ever be released. Please. Like, and it's not just demos. It's like songs that are done that he like. Did like it's there? They could be put on a CD right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. <laughs> um, but just you know, he was working with like because he also by the time he was in 1999, he started being a producer for other bands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's kind of he was a brainchild behind the time and uh, some of these, I guess, not as successful early like 80s pop funk bands, but. Apparently, he had spent, like, five or six hours working with this band and then had a, like, six-hour recording or rehearsal session with the Revolution Mm -hmm. as they were on tour. And then he met with the guys he was working with the first part the next day and said, oh, by the way, after 
my rehearsal with the bands, I came up with this song, Tell Me What You Think, and it's 1999. And they were just like, how did you have time to work with us, work with your band, and then go make this song? Like, the song was pretty much done. And he said that he, like, started it that previous night. Like he said, the eternal thing, you just hear the bum, 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 Yeah, which is really iconic. Yeah, that's one. That's a very iconic synth line. I remember that when I first like actually was sat down and listened to the song, and I was just like, "Oh, I feel like I've heard that keyboard line like everywhere." Yeah, it it, well, it's because it's in uh, some kind of mixolydian, Um, and so of course you've got the you got the the one and the four and the flat seven all in major. Mm-hmm. A lot of rock is based off around that. A lot of pop during that time was based off around that. Mm-hmm. And those three chords work very well together in, in building kind of the melody that you hear as as the highest note of the keyboard thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so that's probably why is because those chords are used everywhere. Um, that's crazy. And then, of course, he has the vocals of the rest of the band. Yes, yeah, so... Um, yeah. I'll have to. I need to double check on who, what their names are. So I, I don't want to just say, uh, "Lady sings this part, other guy sings this part." Right, right. Um, and there's some vocal harmony as well, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think he did on his own. Right? Did he just do the one one vocal track? I'm sure he did. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, which is notable, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, because of the fact that now he has other musicians that he can work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa Coleman with. sings the female, and then uh, Des Dickerson does that that low one right after the female line in the verse. Mm-hmm. I always thought that that was Prince. I always thought that that was Prince, and then because he sounds a lot like Michael Jackson in the first line, uh-huh. I always thought it was Michael Jackson on this, and huh. he was the lower voice. Prince was the lower voice. Interesting. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, well, I want to say Lisa Coleman was his keyboard player. Huh. Well, that's, that's even cooler. It's just not a dedicated vocalist. It's like somebody who also can... Yeah, all of the people that can, sing with him are also, uh, like, band members. Like, Des Dickerson, I want to say, is his bass player. Cool. That's pretty cool. So they don't do the whole Motley Crue thing of just singers. Mm-hmm. Um, which is nice. Um, anyway. I like this song. Iconic song. Yeah, this is... Um... It's a it's a great dance track. Um, mm-hmm. So this song was not initially a hit when it was released. Um, mm. It did modestly well. Like, I want to say it like cracked like the top forty. Mm-hmm. But then um, the song we're going to talk about next became his first like big hit. And then he re-released the song after that became a hit, and it went up to like number four, I think. So who has a bomb in the song? That's the real question. Um, Don't say everybody. Yeah. Mommy. Yeah. Why does everybody have a bomb? Yeah, I've never heard that part before until this. It's because I think the radio edit it always shortens it, and of course, taking out the less weird part of the song. Yeah. Which again, like I listened to the rest of that record, and it is a it is a dense record. It's a double album, and he's got a lot of seven to nine minute songs on it, where Mm. he just there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on. But that's just again, that's Prince kind of furthering that Prince was not, like, your normal mainstream artist. No. Like, he had tons of weird ideas that he was always putting into his music. It Clearly just, not. No. It just <laughs> happened to be that, you know, the public was ready for what he had to present. So, anyway. yeah. So, I think you wanted to go ahead and go to the next song. Yeah, because it, it ties well into this. Not yes. only 
uh, is this the next song on the set, but it is the next song on the album. As you notice, the song, like, pretty much, there's no real stop. It kind of, it's like a fake fade out, and then it fades back in right. with Little Red Corvette. Which, which if, you're, if you're listening to it on, like, I was listening to it on my laptop while I was doing work a couple times, it kind of cuts off. And then it's kind of sad because you don't get the full transition. If you listen on your phone, it transitions seamlessly. It's almost like, oh, is this the next song? Is this still purple or still 1999? Mm -hmm. Um, But no. Um, This Little Red Corvette Mm -hmm. is a notable quotable in my family because uh, both my parents used to own Corvettes separately. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't anymore. Um, And so they were always Corvette obsessed. And so course you know me being their kid mm-hmm. i always thought this song was actually about a corvette it's not so it's not mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about what happens in the corvette it's not even about that well to me the woman is. the woman is a corvette you know what? that's okay. what the song let me just let me She's just wearing... think that there's an actual corvette because what do you you don't drive corvettes slow corvettes go fast so it's about a woman that is fast she is the little red corvette that won't slow down. But if you don't slow down in your little red Corvette, then you're going to crash. Yeah, that's true. And again, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the intentional... He's making a metaphor. He's, yeah. you know... Yeah. He's using car imagery. Um, and he did get the inspiration while in... It wasn't a Corvette, but it was in a red car. He, a red Barchetta? No. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> a good reference, though. Um... <laughs> No, he was in like he was taking like a like a brief nap in between recording because that's pretty much what he did. He didn't right. usually do like a lot of intensive sleeping because his mind was always working. <laughs> yeah, and he said he woke up and had the inspiration running in his head when he woke up in that car. Huh? Um, but yeah, this, is, this isn't a real story. This isn't. Uh, I'm writing about somebody who broke my heart. No, it's okay. just you know. Does he ever do that? Not really. Okay. It's. It's kind of part of the mystique of Prince is you don't really know what's going on in his life. Hmm. So um, he just, again, he's, he just is inspired by things. And so. That's nice. um, But yeah, that's, that's this track is just, you know, it's, it's about a woman. He's normally, he's like totally fine with fast women in in Mm -hmm. his music, but it's interesting to kind of see him do a switch of perspective saying that, you know. You're moving much too fast. You're not going to find a love that's going to last. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's and there's also the the horse horses imagery and stuff where he talks about like the other guys that she's met up with being mm-hmm. like horses and stuff. Um, Trojan and some of them. Well, used well, or... you, well, you know what that is alluding to, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> he's confer- and he confirms that he's just like that was my way of seeing if I could subtly slip in something that's really dirty. Yeah. W- and still get it on radio because people yeah. aren't catching what that right. means. Right. And and I thought I thought it was kind of like interesting and then also like I didn't pick up on it the first time I heard the song. Mhm. I didn't when pick up said, on it either. When he said, you know, uh, should have closed my eyes when you drove me to the place where your horses run free. I thought he was talking about like actual horses, like they're in a car, a literal red Corvette, and they're going to like somewhere that she like like she owns horses. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this is where I ride around on like my actual real life like equestrian animals. Yeah, but no, nope. <laughs> uh, but. Um, and another thing, I think it was, I think it's the third verse where he kind of doubles his vocals, kind of left and right or something. Um, yeah. And they're kind of out of phase. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice 
way of kind of also subverting the the radio, you mm-hmm. know? Because yeah. Because you kind of don't, you didn't, I didn't pick up on that uh, first either. Um, and then, of course, it comes into phase. Like, he's definitely, like, the vocals are off from each other as he starts that line. Mm-hmm. Um, and the listeners will know what I'm talking about this is, when, when they get there. It's really showing his um, right. his creativity and just not wanting to do things the normal way. And, and of course, they, they meet back up, back into focus at the end of the line, and then it mm-hmm. goes back into, you know, Little Red Corvette. Yeah. So, anyway. My yeah. sister always saw this was, thought this was a Little Red Beret or Burette or something. Well, there's a there's a there's a song called Raspberry Beret. Which yeah, which probably is she was she mixed mixing them up. the two yeah. together. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, this song uh, this was his first big hit. It got up to number six. Wow. Okay. And um, this was this was kind of when you know this song got big at the same time that like Beat It was destroying the charts for Michael Jackson. Wow. And so um, it was his. I think it was his first major video. On MTV was for this song. I didn't know there was a video for this song. Yeah, this was like the like '83. I want to say is like when MTV like mm-hmm. came on. Don't don't at me if that's incorrect. <laughs> um, I'm I'm going off of memory here. I want to say '83 is the birth of MTV, and so it was kind of a, more of an early video. And the video is just him playing the song live with his band. But just I think that that was a smart move though to kind of show the world what kind of a showman he was. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, so I think that was a. There's nothing more I have to say about this song. Yeah. Other than the fade out. Yeah. Which goes into our next song, which is my favorite song. I figured it would be. This is the only song of the entire seven songs we're going to talk about today that I hadn't heard since I was like five. This is this is my deep cut of the of the. Set. I I I can imagine. I'm, the first time I heard it, uh, and I heard that guitar intro. This is Bambi, by the way. Yes, off of his second self-titled album. So yes. This is from the 70s. So this 79. is when he was doing all the stuff himself. Yeah. You can kind of hear it. 20 years old. Oh, uh, wow. Wow. Uh, wow. Man, okay. Um, I got about a year, guys. Um, <laughs> it's uh, way too late for me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, you could, you could do Queen. Yeah, that's Queen, true. Queen is still, is still an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I always tell myself. <laughs> but... Um, no. Anyway, this song is my favorite. But when they, when he he started the opening guitar line, it, it kind of sounded out of time to me, and I didn't. I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to suffer through this song." But after listening to it many, many times, I realized, "Oh, it's actually in time." It's just the way he's playing it and the way the rest of the band comes in at the same time in mm-hmm. kind of a weird time. Um, it it's. Totally normal. It's totally played exactly perfectly. Yeah. Um, this sounds also like a remake of Layla to me. You know, the Eric Clapton yeah, song? Yeah, I can see that. I, 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 that's what I noticed as well. I wonder, I wonder if that was inspiration, because, yeah, that's... I bet it was. There's no way. Because if you just... If you take the lyrics from Layla and put it on this, it works, and vice versa. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> and even the guitar line kind of has some similarities. The yeah. Um, and this is one where I talk about his phrasing as a guitar player. Yeah. He he doesn't do too much. It's kind of almost like the Hendrixy, like I'm going to put a, a lick in between each mm-hmm. each line. 
I love that so much. Yeah, it's like perfect. This is this is definitely like you listen to the rest of the album. There's nothing on that album that sounds like this. I figured maybe when I because I had heard the song many times before, but I hadn't listened to the album around it. Mm-hmm. And I assumed when I was going to go listen to it, I was just like, so this is, he starts off as a rock and roll guy and then transfers to pop. And I was like, no, he's actually more like a like a smooth R&B soul guy. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, randomly in the album is this hard rock anthem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like nothing in his early material is even close to this heavy. I don't know what it is about songs about women who leave you for other women, but they're all really good. <laughs> Well, no, he never left her. He's trying to get no, her. She left him for no, no. no you're right. He's she's you're already. Right. You're right. She's already over there, and he's trying to like just get her to come over to him for a little bit. Because there's a there's a Van Halen song about this, and it's it's one of my favorite bands. Oh, Women in Love. Yeah, yeah. It's got a really cool intro. That's, that's a great. That's got a great chorus. Great. I love that chorus. I love the intro. Anyway, um, this one I think actually consistently is is better than, than that one. Yeah, I, I would um, agree. As much as I love Van Halen. Came out Halen, the same year. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. Van Halen 2 was 79. It was Van Halen 2. Um, as much as I love Van Halen more than Prince overall, I'd say Prince did a better job at, in this subject matter. Um, <laughs> and only Prince, in my opinion, only Prince could pull it off and it not sound and silly it not or stupid. Sound weird, yeah. Like, you, you're listening to us just like, I could I could see him turning someone. <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, um, <laughs> wow. Uh, let's move on. All right, so uh, let's talk about the playing <laughs> in this. Yes, the so, guitar solos. Uh, well, how many are there? There's two of them. Uh, it just it's all one big blur to me. There's it's one. All, it's all one big guitar solo to me with there's, vocals in between. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> one after the second chorus and then like the outro solo. Right, right, and he never really goes as low vocally. He's always up in that kind of falsetto. Which a lot of his early work is like that. I kind of liked it, or, yeah. or I didn't like it initially, but I like it now. I think it really it's so smooth. It suits the song really well because it's almost kind of like insane. Yeah, Almost. but at the same, I don't want to say to like the Jim Morrison the same, level, but at the same time, very seductive. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting. It. Yes, it's kind of seductive. Yeah, and but yeah, the the vocal is so smooth on this song, especially mm-hmm. on those. I love the melody he uses on those verses, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit raspy too during the during the chorus. Mm-hmm. He kind of kind of opens his vocal cords up. It sounds like. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I can, that's the imagery that comes to my head. It's him going. Bah. To me, yeah. this seems like a uh, this seems like a, I've got a lot of angst making this album by myself, and I just want to like write a song where I can like get a lot of my frustration out. <laughs> yeah, um, I loved this song. Favorite song? Good. It was a. It's not my. Surprise. It's not my favorite song, it but it's close. I mean, we're getting to your favorite song, I'm sure. I bet I know what it is. Okay, it's not the next one. It actually is the next oh, one. Oh, it is the next one. Do you want to move on to the next one? Yeah, let's, let's right, talk let's, about it. Let's talk about the next So what's the next song? When Doves Cry. This is my least favorite song. What? I think this is this is an example of him being experimental and it not working. Oh, see. I, I think about half the different little tidbits he throws in here are golden. Perfect. Especially towards the end. But kind of some in the beginning, just they don't really, they don't really add up. Man, it me. does for me, and I'm going to talk about why. All right. So, remember how I said he had two number ones? 
This is another this one. This is the other one. Yeah, the Not one. only that, this is this was the number one best-selling song of 1984. That is so sad, thinking about all the albums that came out in 1984. No, don't, don't <laughs> talk like that. This, this is, is when Grant cries. This song, this is, this is a great pop song. Mm. All I can think about, unfortunately, so let, so is let me, the Metallica let's talk, cover. So let me, let's talk about this then. What, what do you not like? What about do I not like about it? Okay, just so, so I can counter. So with... the number one thing, not the number one thing, the first thing is, and this is totally cheap, but anyway, is is uh, Kirk Hammett and Robert Trujillo covered this uh-huh, live? They're in, they're in their period where they were just them two by themselves, and it was so terrible. Well, yeah, I can and imagine. It was just, ugh. it was bad. And so part of that a ruined lot of, it for me. A lot me. of those covers that they did were not very good. Yeah, part of it floor. ruined it for me. And then the other side of it is as listening to this song, I always thought about that. I, and even though I love this version like a million times better, like it's still a really good song. I like the song. Then I think that that's what's really going to play here is you're, you're unable to shake that. That maybe because I've not heard that version. Thank God. Yeah, don't don't. Because I mean, this is the song that I want to sing along to the most. This is the one. No, it's a sing along song. And I just think all the all the ideas in here are so interesting. Like the fact that there's no bass in the entire song. That's weird. I think originally he had a bass track in it, and he said, "What would it sound like if I just took the bass out?" And he decided that he liked it better. This almost kind of sounds like a like his version of Shock the Monkey. Ooh, Where it's kind of the same thing over and over again. He's just adding different parts. It's kind of mm-hmm. minimalist. I love that keyboard line. That bum bum bottom. No, I agree. Bum, yeah, that's bum, good. Bum, uh, but kind of the the intro after he does that big opening lick. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. It sounds kind of like Bark at the Moon. Yeah, you know. But yeah, that's that's one of the best guitar moments I think he's ever had. Is that that little mini solo? It's a it's a good intro. It's a good transition from the guitar centered song that we just had. Uh huh. Which was mine. My intention around it. <laughs> yeah. These and, things are not accidents. And, and then the guitar goes into this weird droning, meh, meh, and he goes, wow, wow. And at that point, it's just like, okay, this song's going to be kind of experimental. Kinda yeah, angry. and again, I love experimental. So I like, no, I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate him doing something different. I get that. I think throughout most of the rest of the song, it's gold. It's great, especially towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get the ooh, 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 ooh. yeah, mm-hmm. that part I love so much. Yeah, and um, I think the I think the vocals are just on point on this song. Yeah, so really, you just don't like five seconds of the song. No, but there's other parts that it's just, and I I the chorus is great. The chorus is good. I think maybe his best chorus, or at least my favorite chorus of his. Lyrically, it's a little weird. It's kind of out of my lyrical wheel well. I mean, it's it makes sense, though. But it makes sense. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of uh, big Led Zeppelin fans say that they really don't like this song because of the chorus, and so that's part of me Led, trying to get away from that. Led Zeppelin fans? It's yeah. very specific. Well, it's saying just, Led Zeppelin well, fans don't okay, like this Okay, because chorus. you know how I have my group of... Yeah. Metalhead friends. You know, mm-hmm. Some of them are big Led Zeppelin guys, too. Yeah. So... Um, anyway, but they're, they're, of course, they're acquainted with Prince cause you know, they're, they're also big music nerds. Mm-hmm. Um, and they always cite this song as just not being that strong of a song. And I get it. I get it now. I like the song still. Um, I just think it was the weakest of, of the, oh, man. of the set. That's a shame. Cause again, um, I think it's the strongest of the set. Um, anyway. but 
yeah, I just I think that uh, there's just a lot of interesting things. Especially, yeah, you get past the uh, the Intro. the choruses, and, uh, yeah, and you get to this this kind of this. It's like an extended jam where he's just kind of throwing all these uh, mm-hmm. ideas, and he's got those screams in there and the synth run. Yeah, and the screams things. are another thing that kind of kind of was like it's impressive, but it's like. Hmm. But it's also very typical Prince. Yeah, he does that a lot yeah, in his songs. Yeah. I noticed in listening but to a lot of this those song. Was it needed? Yes, I think so. No, I think we're we're okay. gonna disagree on this. We are gonna disagree, and on that's this okay. One. And that's okay. Yeah, but that's true. I think that this is a pop masterpiece song because it's it's got oh, me too, it yeah. breaks the mold of what a normal pop song is, but then at the same time to be pretty much like his biggest song as far as commercially. It's, you know, it's one of his number ones. It was the best-selling song of that year. So, I mean, obviously, the the um, the public latched onto the song in a very significant way. It was also his first number one single, because Let's Go Crazy was the follow-up single to that, and it kind of rode on the coattails of this song's popularity. I will say, it sounds... He sounds so in tune with himself vocally mm-hmm. it almost sounds i know it's not auto-tuned because that was invented in the 90s yeah. but he sounds almost like he's auto-tuned because he's so precise with his harmonies on mm-hmm. the chorus it sounds like you're almost pushing it through like a guitar amp it sounds kind yeah. of distorted uh-huh it does i didn't like it initially but then i'm like yeah that's actually kind of cool like mm-hmm. that's a different sound and it doesn't completely destroy the song yeah and, so I, I like and I like how this song starts off with a lot of angst and a lot of um, a lot of kind of this this raw sensuality, mm-hmm. and then as the song transitions, it gets it almost takes on like this more of this um, this disparaging tone. It's it's transitioning to more sadness, especially like you have those background vocals coming in. It's it's got a bit more of a, a mournful sound mm-hmm. to it. You know, especially mm-hmm. you've got the pads starting to dominate the mix as it goes in, where it's not as robotic sounding. It's got a bit more of a warmer feel as the song reaches its end. Mm-hmm. And I think that that sets us up well for our final song in the set. Which I think you want to go to right now. <laughs> yeah, I know you that do. you're not going to want to say anything good rest about this song. Well, do I though? I mean, no, I don't. I don't want to say anything good about the rest of this song. Because I think everything good has been said. Except for the fact that some of the little vocal nuances even though i don't like them anyway they play very well into becoming tracks that are harmonized yeah you know i think it's like uh it's in the second verse or something where he's making little you know vocal uh add-ons mm-hmm. in in i think the left channel yeah and then it becomes a higher harmony I'm like wow that was pretty seamless and anyway i thought it was pretty cool so I'm now we have our final we have our final <laughs> yeah. song. And which this, is, this is the title song off of the title album of the movie about him. Purple Rain. Purple Rain. That was a very <laughs> convoluted way of yeah. introducing that. Yes. And and this was all over the radio when he died. Oh yeah. I mean this all is, over. Even though When Dubs Cry is like his biggest song commercially, this has kind of like become Prince's like anthem. Right. And and I wouldn't say this is peak Prince. I would say that that let's go crazy is, is kind of what he is. Um, I could be wrong. Ah, In my limited knowledge of Prince, I think that if you were to like, if you were to give someone one Prince song, it's kind of like Purple Rain. I think is like the ultimate song to give them. Right, but I think Prince exemplified. 
let's go crazy. Yeah, I don't know. But I think anyway, I, this is when I put on my objective hat and I say this was Prince at his best. Even oh, I'm though, not, I'm even not. though personally I like When Doves Cry more, it's like you can't deny that this is Prince's masterpiece. Yes. Okay. Yes. This song was also recorded live. That would be it because he does kind of talk to the audience. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was in the studio. But that's crazy. That makes sense because there's the audience cheering. I didn't know if it was mm-hmm. like they took from a performance. That makes a lot more sense now. It was and it's also a lot more impressive. But the audience actually is not real. That was added in well, later. Maybe, but it was maybe. it was recorded during uh during like a rehearsal time for them. He just kind of was just like, Hey, let's go ahead and, and record this song while we're all here. And was it in front of an audience? It wasn't No, it was because it was again it was a rehearsal time. So it was an empty arena but they were they were playing this live it wasn't a studio song which i think makes the song sound more impressive because it's um it's got a lot going on sonically it does and it's it's a very simple chord progression Mm -hmm. it's kind of i don't want to say bluesy but it's got the same kind of blues structure of Mm -hmm. you're kind of doing the progression and then you have a break and then you go into the progression again and then you have a break you keep doing it, but it doesn't get old. It's, yeah. it's like eight minutes of that. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, okay. Six minutes of that and an outro. Yeah, very long outro. <laughs> Which which I, it fits in the context of the movie. Yeah, and I don't know how they wrote that outro. It's just a, I tried to figure it out music theory-wise, but it's honestly it's just a bunch of chords that sound good after each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so the kind of the whole theme throughout the movie. Have you you've seen the movie? I've seen the movie, but it's been a few years. I mean, it, it was when he died. So yeah, that was, that's so been like he, um, the whole plot of the movie is that, you know, his band members had written this song and it was so outside of what he normally did that he just, like, kept rejecting it. And then finally, at the very end, when he, you know, needs to save his band from getting kicked out of the club that they're in, he pulls the song out, also in memory of his father that tries to kill himself in the movie. None of that is true in the way the song was actually written. He did write the song. It wasn't a song that his band members gave to him. Um, but it serves as a great climax for the movie. Mm-hmm. And so, kind of the moment when he wins the crowd to his side once and for all. Yeah. And it's hard to Again, not... It's against the evil Morris Day in the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the way he was portrayed in that movie is just so funny. It's, it is pretty hilarious. Uh, it's so hammy. And they're, and they're not even that big of a band compared to Prince. Oh, no. No. But uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we will. Uh, Purple Rain. It's just this song is just it's just iconic, and the guitar playing, especially mm-hmm. that outro solo, has kind of become like one of the iconic guitar solos. Mm-hmm. And just and especially you know you get to that that point where he's doing those high that the. Ooh, 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 ooh. Mm-hmm. Have you seen his Super Bowl halftime performance? It's so good. But I've heard that it was it was it's the best one. Yeah. Since um, all the pre, all the ones after. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was actually downpour raining during his show. So of course it's perfect that he ends the set with purple rain while it's in the middle of a downpour. That's actually pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. And of course he's got the whole crowd singing along with him. He's got the uh, he's got his crazy purple guitar out and he's just slaying the solo. And and a, a, a 
great thing he does in this song is let the music speak for itself. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of overwhelming, like he's not singing all the time. Yeah, he especially lets the song during breathe. during the verses. Like he'll start sometimes with a lyric that'll kind of pick up to the first chord, and then he'll wait for like two or three chord changes before he sings again mm-hmm. to kind of like let the audience like get ready for the next mm-hmm. lyric after he just sang. Oh, and that when he does that scream part going oh, into the I third know, verse, I know. Oh, man, I know, I know, I know. Oh, it just sends chills down your spine. That's when another you hear part it. where it's like. I don't know if I like it, but I wouldn't do it any differently. Yeah, it's, you know I mean? to me, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. I mean, I wouldn't change it, so I got—I have to say yes. Um, and and there is a little bit of a little bit. There's a lot of emotion with it. Yeah. So I do have to ask, what's this song about? Um, I honestly don't know. Okay. Is this this is this is kind of and if there is an answer, this out is there, a Hotel maybe, California type situation. Yeah, or Stairway to Heaven or thing. Uh, All Along the Watchtower, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh. It's just it's it's that epic that has kind of this obscure meaning that I think you could just put whatever meaning you want into it. I mean, I think it's it can be as as simple as it's a love song, but I have no idea why the rain is purple. Yeah, well, maybe it's you know red rain. Maybe yeah. he had a dream. Could have had a dream. It could be purple just because purple is his color. Maybe. Because he was, you know, purple had become his thing before Purple Rain. So it's not like he was, like, transitioning into purple at that point. You know. I guess what I'm saying is whether there's a deeper meaning to it, I'm not sure. It could just be as straightforward as it's just, you know, I want you back. I didn't mean to hurt you. I never meant to cause you any sorrow. Um, Yeah. And let's just, let's, let's reconcile in the rain because that's, you know, because that's epic. And the rain just happens to be purple. Yeah. Because why not? (laughs) Why not? Yeah. Uh. But I mean, you know, this is, this is the song where all the cathartic moments come out. That guitar solo, his, that great vocal line at the end where he's doing that high pitched stuff. I mean... That's gonna, it's gonna bring, and especially now that he has passed on, this song has just become, like, his anthem. Mm -hmm. To where I think it's the song that everyone remembers him by, and of course, you know, it's because it has so so much emotion. Also, it's fitting that this was the last song he ever played in his life. It ended his, his last concert that he did. Wow. Now, he was, he was an Elvis-type situation where he, he died on tour. No, I don't think he was on tour because he died in his home. But like, I think he was like scheduled to go do stuff. What? Okay. Elvis died in his home as well. Let's talk about his death because you know, might as well. That was part of the uh, the crazy 2016 year where that's true. Where David Bowie died, and I mean, technically, Lemmy died at the end of the previous year. Well, it was announced 2016. It was kind of it wasn't announced 2016. He died on like. December 19th, I think, in the previous year. Oh, okay. I remember the press release being, like, no, I remember, January 2nd. I remember reading it in December. Okay. Because I remember where I was. And I remember where I was during, kind of, like, my Christmas holiday. Huh. Uh, but I think that that's when it, that's that, that period started. You know, you lost uh, Glenn Fry from the Eagles during that time. Right. And, um... You know, that was just kind of like all these icons. I feel like Prince was kind of like the big one at the end. I was just like, Prince is dead? 
Because he, he always seemed like, like, even at that point, he was in his 50s, like. So then how? It wasn't, it was, he's, he was a victim of the opioid crisis. Hmm. Of just not realizing that he had gotten addicted to that stuff that was prescribed to him. And just. So he really wasn't like an Elvis type situation. Yeah. And that really sucks. Wow. He was not he was not famously, you know, a drug addict or had, you know, tons of substance abuse. Why he was like he looked so good even into his fifties. Like he still looked so young. Yeah. And was in such great shape and his voice still sounded just as good as it did before. It's cause he didn't like put all this crap into his body that, you know, uh ruined it. He was he was still at the at the peak of his powers when he died. You either die as a hero or live to see yourself become the villain. Nah, he would have never been the villain. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll know. talk about the villain in our next segment. <laughs> yes, we will. Okay, with that, I think that's a good time <laughs> to go ahead and take a break here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about our boner songs and our final thoughts, and then we'll wrap things up. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to the Good Music Podcast. We've been talking about Prince in this episode. We just finished talking about the songs. Just to recap, those songs were uh, Let's Go Crazy, 1999, Little Red Corvette, Bambi, When Doves Cry, and (laughs) Purple Rain. And uh, don't forget to check those songs out in our Spotify playlist. The link is in uh, the description of the episode. But let's talk about our bonus song. Grant, what is a bonus song for those that are listening for the first time? (laughs) So a bonus song is a song of a related artist to the main artist, um, and we want to talk about this song, and we want to talk a little bit about this artist and their music, we kind of want to showcase them, but for whatever reason, we're not going to give them their own episode. So this is also part of the Spotify playlist if you want to listen to this song. Mm-hmm. And, and I like for the bonus song to always have a yeah, connection to the It does have a connection. Artist. So just so I get this, don't get this wrong, mm-hmm. I'm going to have you explain the connection. Yes, yeah, so... Um, the band is The Time, and the song is Jungle Love. Yes. And this song, and the band, was prominently featured in the Purple Rain movie as the villains. So, so why? Why them? So, um, Prince had been working with them for a while. They were, he was kind of responsible for helping to get their career going. Mm-hmm. And, um... They actually ended up having a falling out after because uh, he kind of uh, was unsatisfied with how Prince had portrayed him in the movie as being such a villain. Well, yeah. It kind of hurt, ended up hurting their career a little bit because yeah. people wanted to be against them. Yeah. Which, I mean, you know, he should have uh. he should have known exactly what he was getting into with the movie. Mm-hmm. But, and it ended up being great exposure. I mean, it's the I had never even heard of them until really? uh, watching the movie. I was just like, ooh. And they played that song near the beginning of the movie. I was just like, oh, this would be a great song. Because I was trying to figure out what I wanted my bonus song to be. And then I heard that one, and I was just like, okay, this this would be a great song to talk about. Yeah. So you apparently have known this, about this song before. I've known this song for a long time. This is actually, I was tempted to make this my favorite song, quote-unquote, but oh. I felt bad after doing that with The Doors, and so I'm and trying then, to... And then Bambi stole your heart. Yeah, and then Bambi was, like, there, and I'm like, you know, there's I, still a really good song. I absolutely so. knew when I put that on the list that, I'm like, <laughs> Grant is gonna go gaga for this I loved song. it. Okay, anyway. But I also love this song. Um, it's a good 
synthy pop song. With again, you know, I think this fits great into the pop funk. It does that was going on that Prince really helped uh, solidify with his third and fourth records. Yeah, and 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 you'll notice it's like six minutes long. Mm-hmm. And but about three minutes through, it feels like the song's already over. And then Morris Day goes, "Hey Jesse." And then Jesse has about a three-minute guitar solo. I know, yeah. Which is amazing. It's an yeah. amazing it's guitar, guitar solo. solo. I remember listening to this song over and over and over again, trying to learn the solo note for note. Wow. And so this ended up being a great pick for you. Yeah, this. I was so excited when I saw that this was the bonus song. Um, and I was also really excited to see it in the movie when I watched the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they did some of their bird song or whatever, which really wasn't as good. Yeah, this um, is definitely the better song from the although movie. Although they did, they did like, in a, like a truncated version for the movie, and they didn't have as much of the guitar solo. Yeah, either. I mean, a lot of the songs I got uh, altered from the actual version into the movie. Because you can't play the full really version sad. of every song. That'd be a really long movie. It'd be a Jesse's long movie be, just with Jesse's all the Prince's songs. Song, but yeah, this song, you can definitely feel Prince's influence all mm-hmm. throughout this. You can tell, kind of, especially when you listen to his albums Dirty Mind and Controversy, mm-hmm. you can tell what they're picking up from. And, and, and even 1999. Yeah. And especially because it's definitely pop. It's definitely funky, synthy pop mm-hmm. of that early but 80s era. It's also got, the lyrics I feel are in, are very Prince-inspired. It's also very Prince-inspired, that's true. But there's still that guitar add-on mm-hmm. that doesn't subtract from anything at all. Yeah. It, it, it totally adds to the whole, like, funky feel. Yeah. It's still being distorted. And you're right, it does have the, the Prince lyrical... That very, very um, not subtle sexual not imagery. Not subtle, but still there's definitely but it's got that some... But t- it's got that tongue-in-cheek to where it's like, you can tell they're having fun with it, but at the same time they're not like going out of their way to make the, 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 the metaphors very subtle. Mm-hmm. Like it's very in-your-face, but at the same time it's done with this humorous tone. Mm-hmm. Now, there was some Bruno Mars song that came out, like, a couple of years ago as well. Um, and it was, like, something about 24 Karat Magic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I actually really like that um, song. This That song, I, I mentioned to my sister that it sounded like Morris Day. And, and I guess she doesn't like Morris Day because she's like, well, I don't go around bashing your music. <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm so dang. sorry. I'm not saying anything bad about it. Don't worry. No, that's, that's, that shouldn't <laughs> be an insult. Uh, but, uh, no. Um... Which I always knew them as Morris Day and the time, mm. not the time. Um, probably because it's just it's just the, the way you the were way raised. I was raised. Anyway. <laughs> it's just the way it's the way I was raised. But anyway, no great bonus song. I was excited when it was uh, when I saw that it was added. Good. I'm glad that we got a bonus song because I was wondering if you had yeah. known this song because I didn't realize oh, it yeah. was because I yeah. again I had never heard it and then I watched. the I was trying to figure out my bonus song. I watched the movie. I was just like, okay, I'll, I'll grab yeah. that. And That's I, tra- a great song. I tried to emulate the tone, too, as well. And, uh-huh. and it, was, it was just an inspiring guitar well, song. Then... This was during my whole Eddie Van Halen craze, too. So it's like the fact that I was obsessed with this song for weeks in the middle of being obsessed with Van Halen. I don't know. Well, there you go. If you don't normally listen to bonus songs, I think this is a really good one to listen to. Yeah. So I don't know why you wouldn't normally listen to bonus songs, but, you know. Beats me what you guys do in your free time. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I think with that, anyway. we can go ahead and move on to our final, yeah, let's final move thoughts. Our final so I want to hear your final thoughts on Prince. Okay. Because I was actually surprised that you were already, like, really excited to cover Prince. Because I didn't I know. Was. I didn't know how you were going to fall into that category, being a rock and metal guy, kind of mm-hmm. going into something that's a bit more pop. Yes. Um, 
this this is of course the side of the 80s that I don't like as much mm-hmm. but there's not very many sides of the 80s that I don't like I know you it know just, it's, it's a great decade. so much of the 80s was so good same it's, with the 70s it's a, yeah both those decades are amazing I think those are the two music. best decades for me um, I would agree certainly not the current decade um, no <laughs> so um, most of the things past 2000s to me are just anyway anyway you just gotta look harder. It's out there. You just gotta look harder. Yeah, I guess. It's not what's popular. I guess. But, um, no. This was a side of the 80s that I don't um, meddle with as much. Meddle with. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I still enjoy it. I've known about Prince. I've listened to Prince since I was really young because, you know, my parents were kind of obsessed a little bit. Um, especially because, you know, dad's favorite color is purple. Um and I would love to see. I've, I've, uh, I'd yeah. love to see your dad walking through the purple rain. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Um, <laughs> that one's for you, guy. <laughs> oh my goodness. We can't take you anywhere. Uh-uh. Um, no. But I was excited to cover Prince on the podcast uh, because I knew about, kind of about him. I've seen the movie. I've listened to most of the songs on this. I kind of had a background to pull from. Kind of like. Blondie and Elvis, but to a greater extent. Yeah. And so, I I don't know if this podcast really changed my opinion about him, other than realizing that he is the guitar player for all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then also realizing that he did a lot of this stuff himself in the early years. And I really respect that. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And just from, from a musician standpoint of creating your own art and making it your own craft, mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. And so my appreciation grew in that regard. Not so much as the musical aspect, but in the personal aspect. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's my final thought. Okay. Well, I've, I've got <laughs> some stuff to say as well. For a long time, I never got why Prince was such a big deal. Like, growing up. Because my, like my mom liked Prince, but she was never obsessed with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we never listened to a lot of Prince growing up. And um, the little bit I would hear, I was just like, eh, I mean, it's just not for me. Hmm. And I kind of never understood it. I had, Again, I'd heard a couple of songs. And so when I picked him for this playlist, this was my attempt to understand more. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I needed to, because I wasn't there at the time that Prince was big. I wasn't alive. Um, I felt like I needed to research to understand why is Prince considered one of the greatest artists of all time? Mm-hmm. Why does everyone hold him in such high regard? And I feel like I learned that, and I feel like I understand it, I get it, and now I can say I'm a Prince fan. You understand the, the long answer to that question. Yes, I do. Um, I will say now that I love Prince, especially after watching him play live, the concert that I watched, which was on the Purple Rain tour, Mm-hmm. Watching that, I was just like, oh my gosh, like, this all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Watching the movie, listening to a lot of the albums and letting them digest. Um, yeah, thank you, Good Music Podcast, for... <laughs> thank you to you. Yeah, thank you to myself for taking a chance on something that I didn't think I would enjoy that much, and I now have something else that I'm a big fan of. What? Cool. We can definitely go see him when he comes around town. No, we can't. Cries. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe they'll do a hologram tour. <laughs> maybe they will. Uh, I don't know. Or I maybe, maybe the maybe the revolution will come around and maybe you know, pick someone else up and. You know, oh no, no! Nobody could replace him, but somebody can try. 
No, I don't think. It's like someone trying to go on a Michael Jackson tour and trying to be Michael Jackson. Doesn't work. All right, so that's that's this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening, including our brand new Spotify platform. Uh, new episodes every Monday morning, 9 a.m. Central. We're going back to the 70s with our next band. It's a band that I'm very excited to talk about. Yeah, me too. Kind of one that's that I never really got into, even though I wanted Ooh, to. Oh, interesting. Because so, you haven't talked to me about what you think about this band yet. I have so. But we will talk about it next episode. So yes, be we there. will. So uh, make sure you tune in for that. Uh, don't forget to check out our social media pages, uh, Instagram, Facebook, especially now that we're doing giveaways. Be sure to um, to tune in. You might get a nice prize. Um, and go check out our Patreon. We're going to continue to put more stuff on there. Um, really, really cool things that we have coming up here in the works. Uh, not only is it going to be fun for you guys to have some extra content but also it helps us with continuing to grow the podcast so um the monthly pledges are a a big help so go become a patron and uh remember to leave us a review leave us a rating let, let us know what artists you want us to talk about and uh, we will definitely put it into our little bag of artists that we want to cover in the future So I guess with all that said, I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. Keep on listening to good music. We'll see you next time.